Good morning, Mountain, or good afternoon, depending. Good, good afternoon, Joni. It's afternoon for I me. Should, that's right. I should tell you good morning because it's morning for me, and you tell me good afternoon because it's afternoon for you. Perfect. And for our listeners, it could be the middle of the night. Who knows? That's true. So, listeners, good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to the Catholic Traveler podcast, and welcome. Yes. How are you? I am good. I'm good. It's a good Saturday. It's Advent. I mean, it just started. And it's Advent, and I love Advent. Advent's your favorite. Advent is my favorite. I, it's my favorite liturgical season. Mine's Lent. So, yeah, that's because you're melancholic. (laughs) Don't you think? Probably. You like to suffer. I do like to suffer. You like suffering. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Advent's a penitential season as well. We just don't think of it as being a penitential season. I don't like to wait. I just like to suffer. Mm, Yes. That's why I think Advent's the most countercultural mm-hmm. liturgical season because the world doesn't like to wait. I read your blog. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> That's a good shout out. So I guess we should introduce ourselves. Well, yeah, so you're, you're Mountain. Everyone knows you. Everybody doesn't know me. Okay, well. Maybe the people mountain. listening will know me. That's tr- that. That's kind of what I meant. Okay. Yeah. So and you're Joni. The you're Joni. Traveler. You're Joni. Yeah. Do you want to reintroduce yourself? Sure. I'm the director of faith formation for the Diocese of Nashville, and I've taken several trips with Mountain, and now I'm his co-host of the Catholic Traveler podcast. Like seven trips? Is it seven? Seven. Yes, seven. Four Rome trips and three Holy Land trips. Hmm. So, And then what Mountain's referring to is I also blog for Integrated Catholic Life, which is a nice website, uh, Catholic website about integrating your life and your family and your your work life and all that good stuff. And so I wrote, I often write about Advent because I love Advent. So. And you make videos. And I make videos called Three Minute Theology, which are three minute videos about some aspect of our Catholic faith that come out every Tuesday on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. So there are lots of three minute theology videos on Advent too, because I love it so much. So three minute theology.com. Good. And today and we're going to talk about Advent stuff. Yes. So let's talk about the Christmas crash because. That's one of my favorite Italian traditions Mine too. that I think is an Advent tradition and a Christmas tradition in a mm-hmm. sense. So, and you've kind of talked about it on Tipsy Tuesday and Second Cup Saturday a little bit because they're setting them up. Yeah, they are setting them up around Rome. Like every church here, all 1,000 churches, they have their own fancy crush and all the neighborhoods, they have their own and apartment buildings have their own. It's, it is, I mean, I guess it's an Italian thing. To be that, to go that deep into the the crash, but we can talk about that in a bit. But what about the history? So it is an Italian thing because it was basically invented by Saint Francis, and I think people don't really think about that. They they don't really think of the origin of the nativity scene because they become so prevalent. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, not even you don't even have to be Catholic to have a nativity scene. You can have one of those light up things in your front yard. <laughs> the blow up nativities. <laughs> Yeah. I wish I could get, I would love to have one of those, like a whole yard full of the blow up nativity people. Just like set it out on Borgo Pio? Uh, yeah. Oh, on the roof. <gasps> you should put one on your roof. Uh, that would be awesome. Do they, they probably don't sell them over there. No, probably not. To, <laughs> That's Am- pretty Americanata. Amazon. <laughs> and I don't know that there's anything more American than having a blow up, light up nativity scene in your front yard. It's pretty American. 
But anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, St. Francis invented the nativity scene. And so, it's a relatively new tradition. I mean, it hasn't been around for... It's only been around for 800 years. So, we get the story in 1223, St. Francis decided to offer to, to celebrate Christmas Mass outside, partly because he knew the crowds would be so big that they wouldn't fit inside. So he decided to celebrate Mass outside, Midnight Mass. Um, he wasn't a priest, but he was a deacon, and so he preached the homily. And he decided, he got permission from the Pope, which they're very clear in saying that he got permission from the Pope <laughs> to celebrate Mass outside. And he had Mass essentially in a cave with animals, so he had like the first living nativity because he wanted to remind people of this mystery of the incarnation that Christ became man in poverty and in humble circumstances. And so he had the first nativity scene and St. Bonaventure tells a story. We have the story from a few different of Francis's biographers, but St. Bonaventure tells a story really beautifully. And he talks about how the people came to this midnight mass and there was oxen and, you know, donkeys and hay and the church was, you know, well, not the church, but the cave was overflowing with people. And Francis preached this beautiful homily. And some people said that then the Christ child appeared in the manger. And St. Francis had this miraculous vision of the Christ child. So that is officially the first nativity. And then later we see the tradition of people doing similar things in their houses and making statues and, and whatnot. I think the first, like one of the first statues created was the one for St. Mary Major. I believe, which we talked about oh, really? in the Mary Major episode. I didn't that realize was that was an early, one of the first early, two. early one. Yeah. Oh. I got to see that one last year for the first time. Where is that? If people want to see it, where would you see it? It used to be, well, it was in the Sistine Chapel, their Sistine Chapel, not the famous one. Then they moved it to the museum, the St. Mary Major Museum, but now it's uh, basically in the attic of the church. <laughs> So they do, they open it up around Christmas. And so that's when I went last year was actually on Christmas evening. I walked over there and it was open. You could just walk up the stairs and it was on display just sitting up there. So it was my first time seeing it because I had never been to the museum before. Because the museum's kind of tucked almost in the basement of the church, right? Mm -hmm. When you go out through the gift shop. By the bathrooms. by the bathrooms. That's what I, yes. I'm a tour guide. I have to know where the bathrooms are. It's by That's the museum. That's true. Yeah. And actually, St. Mary Major has nice clean bathrooms, which are sometimes hard to find when you're on tour. And big ones, too. Yeah. Bigger than you would see in most churches. Anyway, people don't listen to us for bathrooms. <laughs> They might History. actually. You know what? That's an important thing when you're touring in Rome, like you just said. So. Oh, that's true. That's true. That's a little pro tip. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so about the nativity scene. So that is the one in Mary Major that was created for Mary Major was one of the first, I think, official. You know. um, and now they're prevalent, right? So we have them in our homes. We have them in our churches. And one thing I love about them is they are a way to celebrate, to, to decorate for Christmas. But if you don't put the Christ child in, Yet it's kind of that anticipatory Advent decoration as well. Right. Yeah, I like that as well. So, and one thing I like about St. Francis's creche is that he was in a cave rather than in a barn. Because a lot of times we think of the stable being a stable, like a barn. Whereas we know from our time in Bethlehem that it was actually more like a cave because that's where you would that's where people in Bethlehem kept their animals, like little caves attached to homes. Yeah. And 
it's that's one of the things that kind of shocks people when they go to the Holy Land is like we take them to these caves and they're not like big luxurious caves they're like built into the hill it's underground they're kind of dirty and damp and these are the nice ones that are made for tourists so yeah and the, the Italians kind of keep that tradition of having the uh, the crash kind of in a, in a cavey type area yeah, so there's nothing wrong with having a nativity scene. My nativity scene at home is a barn, because I think that's mm-hmm. what we think of when we think of stables in America. Right. But it's probably more authentic and historically accurate for it to be a little cave like Bethlehem. Yeah, the one at St. Peter's this year is not a cave. <laughs> the one in the square? Yeah. You want to talk about that one? <laughs> I don't I don't really. I don't want to see it. It's not, it's not very pretty. They've been building, like the figures are not so pretty this year. They're all ceramic, which sounds nice. They're from the Abruzzo region. I think there's 50-something pieces. They're only bringing a few to St. Peter's. Um, But it's just very 60s art. So it's not really like modern art. It's not traditional. It's just not pretty. Yeah. Well, you think it's not pretty. Someone out there thinks it's pretty. Someone thinks it's pretty, I'm sure. Art, <laughs> art is subjective, right? <laughs> no, even... beauty is objective. But well, that's right. <laughs> we don't have time for that argument. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's beautiful to somebody. That's right. Um, the, uh, it's windy. The, yeah. <laughs> um, the crush that they're building for it, though, it's all white metal. It looks like they're setting up like an auditorium type stage Mm. it's not Mm. pretty Mm. like usually i'm really excited to go over and watch them build it because it takes a couple weeks to build not so much this year the tree looks really pretty though and it looks like i read an article today it looks like they're going to put um like hundreds of wooden ornaments on it that were all handmade oh that's nice Um, yeah so i'm excited for that i'm kind of getting off subject here though no, that's okay. Can I say something? Well, yes. I, can I say something about the St. Peter's Square one? I actually really like that it changes every year. And oh, that, that is nice. I, I like that they're you know they're able to feature maybe different regions or different artisans. And I know that not every year is kind of to our liking. And I was thinking about this the other day because I know this year's isn't. It just isn't my taste, and I don't think it's a lot of people's taste. And. You know, a couple of years ago, they did the Corporal Works of Mercy and people criticized that one. And But I think one thing to remember is that, you know, it, it is indicative of like our wider church and that, you know, not everything's going to be look like what we would do. And I'm not trying to be like wishy-washy or, you know, but <laughs> um, but one thing I would rem- remind people that like not everything John Paul II did art wise. I liked either, you know, I mean, look, at I don't know, know that I liked anything art wise. <laughs> Right, right. So I think we, like, you know, it's not the end of the world that the nativity scene isn't isn't pretty. And I wish it was. Last year was really, really beautiful. It was. But yeah. just to kind of remind people that, you know, it's it's from this region and it may mean a lot to the people of Abruzzo. So. I like the sand one as well. Did you see the sand and one? Were you here I for know, that? I didn't see it in person. No. I mean, I saw pictures and I know people were really, like, really skeptical of it. But then when it mm-hmm. came, they, they thought it was really he did beautiful. A, he did a good job. Yeah. yeah, it was like a big sandcastle nativity, basically, and I was shocked that it survived. Like, like in the weather, I thought it would, the wind would blow and it all fall apart. No, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. So it was good. But but yes, yeah, so let's go back to the original 
talking about the original crash because, or the original living nativity by Francis, because we went to Greccio last year. Mm-hmm. That was my and first time. Yeah, it's not exactly on the beaten path. No, it was. <laughs> it was not at all on the beaten path. And even once you get there by luxurious coach or nice bus, then it's a really long walk up steep stairs. And yeah, it was very much off the beaten path. And then there's nothing around there either. Let's, we had a lunch break there and then we had to like drive to another area to eat. But it's a lovely little shrine. Um, so I'm glad that you suggested we go there. So I, I love the fact that we went there. I, we did a pilgrimage together last December, a year ago, when we're recording this. It was a year ago. And we, since we were there for Advent, I really wanted to focus on some Advent things. And we couldn't get down to the, the town of St. Nicholas. That was the only thing that I think we didn't do. But we, I asked if we could go to Greccio because I didn't really know what was there, but I knew that this living nativity had taken place there. And it was funny because we planned to go and, you know, neither of us had ever been. And then the week before, the Pope announces that he was going to go and issue a letter, which was really a really beautiful letter. I highly recommend going and look, looking at Pope Francis's letter on the crash. But I was like, wait a minute, you stole our thunder. Like, we were going, and then the Pope <laughs> decided to go. Yeah, it was it was a nice experience. I really like, like I said, I like the shrine. I like the, all the rooms that were set up. You pretty much, there was nobody there, so we could walk all over the shrine by ourselves, unsupervised, like, peep into... The bedroom, not like where people sleep now, but where <laughs> so people it's like had a Franciscan slept. hermitage, like a Franciscan monastery was built on the spot after they had, I think the mass you, was said. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. You did a reading there too, like you, you went outside and did some. Oh, that's right. I read from Bonaventure's account, so yeah. you can find Bonaventure's account of that moment in twelve twenty three. Um, it was it was right before Francis died. So Francis had spent some time in Bethlehem. He came back. He wanted to inspire the people. He had this idea, and it was only two years before he died. But so I read the account from Bonaventure of that mo- of that night. I, I thought yeah. I thought that was very special because you were so excited to be there, and then you got to read where it happened. Yeah, it was really, it was yeah. That I I really loved going there because, like you said, it was it was there weren't anybody there was nobody really there, and we just kind of explored the monastery and the little chapels. And then at the end, they had a bigger church built on the spot. And uh, they had an exhibit of lots of different creches from around the world. Yeah, it was like a big crush museum. It was awesome. I mean, there, there were was hundreds. Probably, yeah, I was going to say hundreds. Right? Yeah. And like there were little Eskimo, Mary and Joseph <laughs> and Jesuses. And they were. it was really neat, different cultures. And then there was that really cool one that I made you walk back up the hill to see. That the was Rome? in Rome. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I loved the one in Rome. You could see St. Peter's and you could see the different buildings around St. Peter's. And it's very detailed. Yes. And what I love about those that are so big and detailed is trying to find baby Jesus. Like, like where's the action? You know, you're looking around. Because they have, there's the guy making pizza in one corner. There's the butcher. There's the lady doing laundry. There's the neighborhood drunk, and then, like, all this stuff is going on, and you kind of look to see if you can find where the actual nativity is taking place. So it's kind of fun. It's an, it's an adventure. 
And I love that. I think that's really the spiritual poignancy in their crushes that sometimes ours lose. Because we basically in America tend to just have what you would like the action, right? We just have yeah. Joseph and Mary and Jesus and some cows and some shepherds. And, and I think the beauty of the Italian crushes is that Christ came into the world in the midst of all that, right? Mm-hmm. He came into the world in the midst of, you know, today the pizza makers and the coffee shops and the town drunk, right? Yeah. He came into the world and it's a good reflection on the incarnation. And that's the beauty of the crush. That's why Francis did it was that the incarnation didn't happen you know, in some other world where there was no sin, of course, right? The incarnation came into this sinful, dirty, messy, messy world, which is why I think there's a drunk in almost every Italian, in every Italian nativity scene, is to remind us, like, he came into the flesh, and that meant he took on everything, and he came in, like, to a dirty stable. And I think sometimes we want to make our lives, like, really beautiful, and sin doesn't happen, and everything's comfortable, but Jesus came into the really dirtiness of it all, mm-hmm. and he came into that on purpose. And so, I just love that it's hard sometimes to even find the real action, because there's so much going on, but that's the point. He came into the middle of that, and it, it just is really poignant um, in all of that. And I think that's also why Italians feature their own neighborhoods in their crushes, right? That it's not something that just happened 2000 years ago but Christ continues to come into our neighborhoods in the in the in the form of us in the form of the Eucharist in the form of the poor and so it's not just a past event but it really happens today yeah so like some of the churches you go into if you look at their nativities again they're very elaborate but usually well I wouldn't say usually but a lot of times they feature their own church in the nativity and so I mean but it's you know it takes place a long time ago it's not like it's today and there's their church it's an old version of the church and you can see like a little pizza place next door or a cafe so yeah they definitely make it look like it's in their neighborhood when they display these that's what i love about the san eustachio one because you go to san eustachio a lot on second cup saturdays Mm -hmm. and the the church right across the street has a beautiful nativity scene and when i saw it i'm assuming they do this every year the cafe san eustachio was in the nativity scene and i love that I never noticed. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go look. Yeah, I'll go look. And even though they're so elaborate and they put so much work into them, um, not all churches repeat the nativity every year. They don't make the same crush. So, um, a friend of mine that owns a hotel, you know him, Paolo Alamandi, um, the hotel I use for my groups. His brother is an artist, and he makes nativities for churches. And he's hired by the same churches every year, but they want different things each year and so not only does he make these elaborate scenes but for some of these churches every year it's completely different Um, completely different characters different buildings yeah it's big work that's (laughs) incredible wow Mm -hmm. that's incredible because it it does look like they're almost permanent like it always surprises me when they take them down because if you came to rome during this time and didn't realize they were temporary you would think some of these were permanent yeah they take up a whole chapel like some of them take up an entire chapel like even the one at saint peter's basilica not the one outside but the one inside it takes up the entire baptismal chapel and again very elaborate the one at saint peter's for example has it goes from day to night so it changes from day to night at nighttime it starts to snow so they actually have snow coming down from the ceiling and has running water and fire and people working. Like you can see a guy fishing. So they are very elaborate, but it changes. Like they 
go through the work to recreate this scene every year. Now, a couple of churches do keep it out permanently. Um, Santa Prosede, it's one of our favorite churches. Theirs is always out, but when it's when Christmas season is over, they just cover it. But it's always oh, in that right. chapel. And you can actually go up to the chapel and like peel back the curtain a little and peep in there. Uh, but that one's permanent. And also uh, Cosmos and Damiano, that one is permanent and it's always on display. So that's a church right by the Roman Forum. And that one takes up an entire room. And But year-round, you can go down there and look at it. And it's it's kind of part of the church tradition. Like, you can come look at our creche. When you go to Cosmos and Damien, there'll be a sign that says, is it Presepe? Yeah, Presepe. Is that right? Is that the Italian yeah. one? And so if you see um, Presepe, that, that's the Italian word for this creche. And so you follow those signs. Because it's not in the church. It's kind of around the corner, right? Yeah, theirs is like downstairs. And I guess it's in part of the cloister of the church. Yeah, so and lo- the, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, a lot of them have coin boxes, too. And that's kind of how they get money for the church. It's kind of to finance the, the fancy nativity. But you put a coin in the box, and it turns the lights on and starts up all the action. Because, again, there's moving pieces. Like, there's characters that move. Yeah. Water, like water, what are those things called? The water wheels? Water wheels, yeah. Oh, is, that, is that what it's called? I think so, yeah. <laughs> what are those water wheels called? Yeah, so they, a lot of them have that, and like it'll have water coming down and it's spinning, and I'm really excited. They should start showing them in, uh, next week here. Yeah. They've been building The first one I saw with light and dark was at Santana, right inside the gates of the Vatican. Mm-hmm. And I was it was several years ago, and I was there for a friend's birthday. And so we were in Rome for the week, and they were beginning to put their crushes up. And I was at mass at Santa Ana and I heard this thunder and I was like, what is going on? And I look over and the, you know, the crush is getting light and dark and there's mm-hmm. thunder. And, and that was the first time I really had experienced that. And I thought this is intense. And then I realized this was not unusual, right? This yeah. wasn't just a Santa Ana thing. And yeah, I just, they're so, yeah, they're just, and they're inspiring. Like I wanted to come home and make a water wheel in my own, but I don't think that's practical. Although in Piazza Navona, they were mm-hmm. selling different figures at the Christmas market, and you could like they were selling these little buildings and like water wheels and things like that. So the Fontini I wonder. Brand. Yes, and my mom has a really big Fontini nativity with mm-hmm. lots of different buildings with that same idea. She doesn't have water and fire, which is really sad. <laughs> she needs some water and fire. But I wonder, and I don't know this, but I wonder how Italian families, if their creches are equally. Maybe not water and fire, but I wonder if they're as equally elaborate. I would imagine. Well, when we first moved here, we didn't have, like, we left our stuff like that at home. And, again, Paolo, the hotel guy, he gave us one of his mini creches from the hotel. And this particular one didn't have fire and water, but it had all the, like, the moss and the trees. And, and like, he was like, oh, you need this box of moss. And... It's like, really? He's like, yeah, yeah, you got to do this. <laughs> and here's some like brown paper to put down so it looks like the ground. So I think in some of the homes, they do go quite all out and get elaborate with it. Um, again, I don't know about the fire and the water, but maybe. Yeah, I love it. And, and here in the States, you can find like our religious bookstore here in Nashville, um, St. Mary's Bookstore, has a ton of the Fontanini sets downstairs in their basement. And, and you could really go all out and have lots of different. So, yeah, it's just a neat, and it's a neat way to, to make your Christmas decorations a little adventy as we wait for the, the Messiah. 
and fun. And you know something I was yeah. thinking about when we were talking about the elaborate nativities and how in America we just kind of get just the action. We go straight for the action. And then it made me think about how you said, like, we don't really like to wait. You know, during Advent you're supposed to wait. And kind of with the elaborate Italian nativities, you have to wait to find the action because you're looking through all this stuff. So there's kind of a connection. Maybe it's a bit of a stretch, but... No, yeah. And that anticipation and that search and that, you know... We just like to cut to the chase here, you know, like just give us, yeah. give us Jesus and, you know, but to have that. And even the, the process of setting up the nativity, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't just put out Jesus, but that you, you know, you kind of set it up and it's this labor of love, I think, can, mm-hmm. can really point to, to Advent as well. And having Mary and Joseph like come from afar. Ooh, I like that too. Do you do my, that? my three kings always sit to the east yeah, of a... my nativity scene and then they make their way. Do they wait like years or? Yeah, they wait till Jesus is two. No, <laughs> no. Feast of the Epiphany, they they arrive. But that's the other thing is a lot of people here in America put their Christmas decorations up. You know, they put them away sometimes before Epiphany, so the poor three kings never make it. Yeah. Or they put it up right after Epiphany, and then the poor three kings have barely got there. You know, so I, a lot of times in Italy they'll leave the crushes up till February second, which is a nice way to kind of continue to celebrate as well. Yeah, I have a funny story about um, my oldest daughter. This was a long time ago. My in-laws, they were living in Tampa at the time. They're in Miami now. And we were there for Christmas one year. And they had their nativity set up. And so Amelia took Mary and Joseph and, like, put them across the house. <laughs> and Because she was like, they're not there yet. And so every day, like, my father-in-law would see that. And he's like, what's going on? And he would move on and put them back. And... <laughs> And they, they got, like, she, I don't know, she was, like, six at the time or something. So they got in a fight over this, like, and she's like, they're not there yet. And he's like, and they go over here. And they were just arguing about it. And then another thing that I think is funny is about the three kings, like, approaching the nativity. And my parish uh, back in Georgia a long time ago, I didn't really understand, like, the marching them closer and closer. But we had kind of a life-size three king set. And so I was at Mass one day, I guess after Christmas or during Christmas, and at some point during the Mass, somebody moved them closer to the altar, but like down the main aisle. I don't think during they still mass? do that. Like, I guess some, maybe the usher like moved it up or something. I don't know. But they weren't there. And then during the Mass, I looked over and there was like, you know, it's the three kings are kind of scary, the big hats and... <laughs> A camel, and I look over, and they're right beside me. I like scream, it's scared. Me. <laughs> I just thought of that. Wow. Anyway, that's intense—a life-size nativity scene in a church. Yeah, moving during that's, mass. Yeah, it seems distracting. It was very distracting. Oh. Um, what else? Can I can I mention one more Italian tradition that I really like about the nativity scenes? Yes. The, on Gaudete Sunday, I'm asking you permission, like I'm not the co-host. I, know. Um, I, I also really like on Gaudete Sunday when it's tradition for the little Italian children to bring their baby Jesuses oh, yeah. to get blessed. Um, mm-hmm. And they often bring them to the Angelus and the Pope blesses them and then they'll put them in their nativity scene at Christmas. But I think it's Bambinelli. I think I, my yep. Italian's terrible. No, that's but it. I, I love that idea of, of having baby Jesuses blessed on Gaudete Sunday. And I wish I could find a parish here that would start doing that because I think that's a really neat tradition can't you just encourage your priest yeah I guess so <laughs> Father Neely will you bless the <laughs> All right. no that is it is a really special day because 
it's you go and like all the kids are there with their little baby Jesuses and they hold them up. One year, I think, sometime since I've been here, they actually gave out little baby Jesuses on oh, that day. Nice. The Pope did. Just really tiny, like an inch, you know, but gave them to all the people that were there. So I had a little baby Jesus to take home. Yeah, I love that. I like that reminder. Mm-hmm. All these little traditions that we can we can use to make Advent still Advent, but you aren't a Grinch about it. You know, I gave a talk this week about celebrating Advent, with, but not being a Grinch about it and not like not letting people <laughs> celebrate Christmas because nobody yeah. wants that. But there are still ways to celebrate in the midst of the penitential season. And these are ways to, I think, also celebrate Advent while not being a Grinch. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to think of my other favorite crushes. And I, there's a one by the Vatican in an apartment building that I really like. And Monsignor Marini's. Yes. It's, yeah. <laughs> yes. So Monsignor Marini is the liturgical MC for the the Vatican, and he happens to live in the apartment building. I don't think it's really his personal one. Well, he lives there. We call know. it that. Yeah, it could be, but it's really beautiful, and I think it's in this like big. It's hard to explain, but it, it's, it's in like a uh, entryway, and it's in kind of like a case. Yeah. But it thunders and lightnings and. There's all this stuff going on, and it looks like it goes really far away because there's mirrors on either side, mm-hmm. and so it looks like the hills, like the hills of Bethlehem, go really far in the distance. It's really well done. Yeah, I like that one too because it feels like you're somewhere you're not supposed to be because, like you said, it's in the entryway of the building, um, but you're allowed to go in there, so you feel like you're sneaking a peek at something you're not supposed to be doing. And there's a coin box, so you know you're allowed to be in there. Is there a, make oh, a there donation. is a coin. You're right. There yeah. is. I think that's when I realized, oh, I'm not trespassing. Like, they want me to be here, and it's okay. Um, but, yeah, I love that one. There's a, there's one they put in the Sistine Chapel that we got to see last year. That was really neat. Because I think mm-hmm. the Sistine Chapel one struck me because so often we don't think of the Sistine Chapel as a chapel. Right. Because many of us go there just as part of the Vatican Museums. But last year, like seeing the crush there was a good reminder that this isn't just a museum, but that this is a chapel. So they're going to put a crush in there like they put a crush in all the churches. Mm-hmm. And last year, not not to like take a tangent, but last year you let me go with you to Vespers in the Sistine Chapel for Advent, which was also really special and a good reminder. So they do it on the Sundays of Advent. And it was a good reminder, again, that this was a chapel and not just a museum. But I, didn't, I, I didn't. really liked that crush. I didn't let you go with me. I got a ticket for us you to go. You got tickets. <laughs> well, you know, you got a ticket. That, you could have just not invited me. Oh, of course. That's, that'd be silly. <laughs> um, yeah, that's one of my favorite Advent traditions is the Vespers in the Sistine Chapel. And that's something that Monsignor Marini started. Again, the Pope's MC. He started that a few years ago. Uh, the Pope allowed him to do Advent and Lenten Vespers in the Sistine on the Fridays during Advent and Lent. Um, so, of course, we won't get to do that this year. But that I love that being able to use the chapel as a place to pray. And so, yeah, we got to go and took a few other friends. And you get to hear the Advent Vespers. And then he does a little homily. And there's the organ music. And then afterwards, you can go up and meet him. And you're allowed to take pictures. And they have these red velvet chairs set up. And you get to go through the Apostolic Palace to get there. It's very special. I love it. It's it's beautiful to... And even to use the art of the Sistine Chapel 
mm-hmm. in prayer. Like you're sitting there in Vespers and you're looking up at the Sistine Chapel ceiling, you know, and you're using Michelangelo's art for the way it was intended to pray yeah. and to meditate and not just to take pictures of or, or to gawk or, at. Yeah, to, or not take pictures of. <laughs> to sneak pictures of. <laughs> yes. So. Yeah. Well, great. Well, those are a few of our favorite things. Our favorite Lenten things. Oh, no. I missed the Lenten thing that's one of my favorites. Advent. No, Advent. 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 The, uh, the Friday candlelight masses. Oh, yes. Tell us about those because I've never done one of those. So it's a German tradition. It's called, and my Latin's not so good, but Rorate, maybe? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, and it's the morning prayer, uh, but they do it like part of, as part of the Mass. But it's usually around 6 a.m., so before the sun comes up. And it's it kind of expanded to a few more churches here. But the German church here, Santa Maria and Anima, Our Lady of Souls, has the mass because that's the German church uh, 6 a.m. all by candlelight and I actually forgot yesterday and I didn't go and I feel awful because there's only three this year because Christmas oh, is on yeah. a Friday and so I have two more chances but it's one of my favorite things to do because you have to wake up at 5 a.m. and is our curfew? Yeah, our curfew ends at I five. I was going to say, are you curfew. allowed to go because of curfew? Yes, we're allowed to go because curfew ends at five, so I can leave at five. And as you approach the church from like a block away, they have candles on the alleyway, like to light the path. And then when you go into the church, it's just all candles. And the whole mass is done by candlelight. And it's all in chant, and it's just really, really pretty. And it's cold, and it's dark. And it just, it feels very adventy. I love it. I love it. I mean, I love it. I haven't even been. I say I love it. I've never gone. You need to. I love the idea of it. A few years ago, I was in Germany. It was in Austria. It's an Austrian and German thing. I was in Austria, Salzburg, and I was like, oh, I'll definitely be able to find one here. And so I went to the cathedral, and they did have one. But they only had a few candles lit, and they had some lights turned on, and the music was all guitar and drums. And that was, that made Advent very linty because I definitely <laughs> felt like I was doing something was penitential. It, was it quite what you were expecting? <laughs> no, it was not. I was grumpy. So- I was just talking to a priest that we both know, Father Bolster, who studied in Rome, and mm-hmm. I could be getting this wrong, but he told me that. They used to not have mass in the dark. Like mass was only when it was day, when it was when the sun was out. Mm-hmm. And so those masses were particularly special because you were allowed to have mass before the sun rose. Oh. And so then they were like, put all the candles out because they didn't have electricity, right? So you'd have to have all these candles because that was the only way you could see anything. And I thought that was really neat. So I hope I didn't get that wrong. But um, but I, you know, we don't I've think about mass before electricity. Like yeah, you know, mass before electricity, you'd have to have all those candles, right? Mm-hmm. One thing about, so the one here at that German church, so it's all candlelight, it's very beautiful, but then when they sing the psalms, they they have this, it's like a red LED light, or like, you know, that displays the numbers for the, the psalms, and they oh, turn okay. they, they turn that, you know what I'm talking about, like the choir director has it or something, Yeah. and they turn it on, like, 
so that you can see where to flip in your book. Oh, I see. Yeah. And it's it's very distracting. Like it kind of <laughs> takes away from everything. Because yeah. yeah. then they turn it off, like, once it's over, once the song is over. So you know what, anyway. where you are in your book. In yeah. your book that you can't really see because... Well, you have, little, you have your own little personal... They give you, like, a tea light candle that you can oh, hold okay. over your book. I usually, like, warm my hands over it because I'm freezing. <laughs> Because, again, big marble church, middle of winter. It's cold. Well, you have to go this coming Friday. Yeah, it's in my calendar. Got my alarm set. I was so pretty grumpy today when Mountain. I realized I missed it. <laughs> so if you follow Mountain on social media, which I'm sure you do, you know this will go up on Thursday and the next tomorrow. He'll have maybe something on social media, right? He'll post pictures on Instagram. Yep. Well, now yep. you have to because I'm telling everybody you uh, are. No, I, I, I will for sure. Okay, so that's it. Good. That's it. Happy Advent, everybody. How do we close? Like, subscribe, all that? All that. Like, subscribe, review, five stars, share. Yes, thank you. Tell your friends. Very good. Thanks, Joni. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mountain. Enjoy your evening. Oh, and thanks, listeners, for listening. (laughs) Oh, that too. Thanks for listening so that we can keep doing this. Yes. Ciao, ciao. Okay. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, ciao.